Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to on sites I mean, a ton of sites, including uh, MSNBC's Your Business, Inc.com, People First, just to name a couple. Um, There's a whole bunch of them out there. And I'm thrilled that we are being considered a great resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. Um, That's why we're doing this. And it is really because of the guests who come on. Um, These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they give that expertise. They give their time. They give their expertise so that all of you can learn the things that you want to and that you can take back in your business. Today, uh, we have such a guest. Today, we are joined by Alex Vorobiev, a highly sought-after speaker, business alignment coach, and the author of Transform Your Business, Alex has helped scores of business owners replace chaos with clarity and finally attain the success they've always imagined. His methods eliminate frustration and find the unique starting line that propels companies past frustration and into success. Alex is the founder and CEO of the, Al- excuse me, of the Alex Barobius Company, a premier business transformation company. Now, he's also launched a magazine and podcast, Confident ROI, to share business leader stories about what tools and concepts are working in the real world so listeners can confidently select the tool that will advance their company. Thanks so much for joining me today, Alex. Well, thanks for having me on, Diane. I am thrilled to have you here. And, I, well, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about being stuck and, and getting unstuck. And so I'm curious. Uh, as to why you think some companies stay stuck, like no matter what the leader tries to do? Well, there's, there's two things. One is kind of the, the, how, the tendency of how people react when they're stuck. And then there's a, what I found through my research and working with companies, there's also something hidden within uh, most leaders, and it's actually, there's there's a neuroscience element to it uh, that we can get into, but there's two two things. We tend to focus, one, on the front lines of our business, where 
the employees are working with customers and suppliers and it's easy just to, to constantly be working in the business there. And then two, we're wired not to want to confront reality. There's actually neuroscience behind it. And so it's we're we're wired to believe have a certain view of the world. And when it it's necessary for us to question it, our brain really doesn't want to do it from a number of reasons. One of which it just takes a lot of energy. And our brain would much rather use shortcuts it already has and blame other things than to, to, to use the energy to figure out uh, what's a better way of doing things. Wow, so, so it isn't even that, I mean, do, do we even realize that we're stuck and, it's, and there's a way out? It's, it depends. It, what I found was, all, I'm, a, I'm a finance guy. I started as a CPA and, and became a cleanup CFO. I just wanted things that worked and I could, I could understand the numbers, but these business concepts seem to have provide, be it, you know, what's the strategy of the company? What's its culture? How's it's going to compensate people? How's it going to sell? How's it going to deliver? They're all great concepts, but it, one is it's easy to get overwhelmed by them and just kind of not, you know, what, where do I start? And no one ever talks about the sequence of things. You know, if you got a problem, we'll fix it. Well, maybe there is, is that really the right place to start? If you have a sales problem, is your problem really with the tactics on you, how you sell it? Or is it your product? Or is it what you're really trying to solve for your customers? And so that gets people stuck as is because they tend to kind of go in the wrong sequence, trying to fix the visible problems. Hmm. That's really interest, interesting. So, so this, sometimes I think, like if I think about companies that I know that are totally dysfunctional, sometimes it seems like um, the leadership knows that they're stuck, knows that there's a problem, but doesn't, but is conflict avoidant, right? Doesn't want to do the difficult, so to speak, work that it would take to actually change things is that you know yeah that, a reality it's a reality and there's some neuroscience behind it and i didn't realize it I wrote my book that um i called it a relationship with feedback that i noticed yeah it's not going well but people didn't really want to deal with it because it can be painful to, yeah to maybe deal with someone who's not performing that's been with you for a long time or just letting someone go, that's painful. Well, from a neuroscience standpoint, the same part of our brain that's active when we're feeling physical pain is the same part with emotional pain. And the same things work with it in terms of pain relief. And our brain is, if anything, is wired to avoid pain. Yeah. And so we don't, our brain's like, no, let's, let's not do that. I mean, it's just inherent. I had um, a neuroscientist on Dr. Dan Radecki and I was interviewing him and, and asking him, you know, are we wired to have a bad relationship with feedback? And he confirmed, absolutely. And, and he knows it. He's a neuroscientist. He's a 
He's a researcher, head researcher at Allergan, the big, and he knows all this, and he still has challenges with, with dealing with feedback, and he knows it all. And so that's, I mean, we're dealing with, we're all dealing with our brain, but we don't have, we don't have a manual for it, a user's manual for it. And, and so we're, it's, it's easy for us to get stuck and go, oh, these things don't work for us, but there's kind of, our brain in some ways is holding us back on that. And that's the real yeah, starting line. Yeah, it seems line. like it. Yeah, right. Right. It, we're our yeah. own worst enemy. We are, and it's it's just we have a brain that's really still hundreds of thousands of years old. It's more adapted towards living in a cave and hunting for food than it is to coming in and checking five forms of online communication and and dealing with different things you can't see and and a lot of different threats that our brain views all threats kind of the same, and it it doesn't like being under constant threat. So, okay, this is so interesting for me. Um, when you when you look at this and you look at you know leaders who are trying or you know companies that are stuck and and you know what people are doing, do you, are there common mistakes that you see business leaders making when they're trying to actually you know go through this improvement process? Yeah, there's there's different different ones. Some some people want to try everything. And, oh, I just saw, saw this presentation. I just heard this podcast. Let's try it. So that's kind of the wheel spin of just trying everything and you haven't really worked through maybe what you have. And then there's the other side of the coin, like none of this stuff's ever worked for us. So I don't want to do anything. So that's, that's that other side of the extreme. But a lot of people are kind of in the middle where they'll try some things and maybe and not, things won't go well. Because most business improvement concepts are a series of questions that help you align future decisions and actions throughout your company. But inevitably, you kind of predict, you try to do something, and inevitably, it doesn't always come to fruition, especially the first time out. And you got to make adjustments. If you didn't get the, the, the result you wanted, what do you adjust so that you can get the result? And that's where most get stuck, is that they're not getting the results and they don't wanna question, okay, what's not working? Is it people? Is it process? Is it product? Is it me? What, what is not working that we need to adjust there going forward? And it kind of came to, if we have time, I can go into a story about, about how it kind of came to fruition in my mind, if that works for you. Yeah, great. Yeah, I would love it. Yeah, I was at I was actually at Disneyland. I was really frustrated. It was a Saturday morning as with my wife and daughter and they could tell I was frustrated. I had a great habit at the time of bringing work home with me. And so my wife and daughter said, "We're we're going to go on a ride. Why don't you finish your coffee?" And so I was I was watching the canoe ride and it was the the, the river which just goes around the island. And they said, and I saw the canoe ride pull away from the from the dock, and I saw this this the Disney leader, young guy, and he's paddling really hard. I was like, well, he's getting paid to work out, but I'm like, how long can he do this? Because the people, the Disney guests, some were rowing, a lot of them weren't, 
and some of the kids were kind of counterproductively rowing. Like, how is he going to do this? And he had someone from Disney in the back, but he got the boat off to the side. And in 90 seconds, he turned around and he got this motley crew of Disney guests aligned and working together and, and, and rowing the boat around, around Tom Sawyer's Island. And it blew my mind. And he, he gave them three simple rules. He had some, I mean, he got down to where he showed them how to use their paddle. He called it a fun stick. And he showed him this is where you put one hand here and one hand here. This is how you row. And it's like so many businesses don't even do that. Yeah. They don't. And he told them too, look, we're going to get out of sync during this. And we want to row in sync. And we're going to get out of sync. And so we'll take a break. And we're going to sing and we'll re we'll re-get our rhythm with with we'll do some sing some songs and things like that. And he just prepared them for the inevitable. And he also told them they don't splash because other people don't like it and and don't stand up. You know, only a fool stands up, but I luckily I'm a I'm a trained fool. And he <laughs> you know he told them the invisible lines and told them where they were trying to go and got them to buy into it that it's, it's the only guest propelled ride at Disneyland. It's been around for 50 years. They just renovated the one in Southern California. So it's gonna be around for a while. And it's, just, it's, it's, it's a real microcosm of a business that if you don't have people in there rowing together in a way to, to get back on the same page, it gets real dysfunctional really fast. Boy, no kidding. So what are the things that I mean, I love that. And the funny thing is I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, wow, and Tom Sawyer was the one who got people to paint a fence for him at, at, so that he didn't have to do it. And so, it, you know, and that's a story all about leadership. But so, so if someone's listening and they're thinking, wow, that sounds great. And I'd love to get everybody rowing in the same direction with me. How do they do that? What are the things they need to do to make sure that's happening? What well, is, is answering important questions? And it's, it's, if if they they take a fresh look at business improvement concepts, just with the understanding of look, it's a series of questions. And and we're going to answer these questions kind of from the inside of the company outwards, that they can better communicate what's important. And it's a lot of it I call invisible lines. What what's important if you're going to be on this boat? And breaking it down to simple sort of um, uh, process like that, I, I always recommend uh, Patrick Lencioni who wrote Five Dysfunctions Team. He also wrote a book called The Advantage. And it's got six questions that they're very simple. And when, when you address them, you just uh, you go through them. It's like one of the questions, what's, what's most important right now? And can you imagine having a team where two or three of the leaders have different answers to that, even slightly different answers, that their people inevitably, their time, they're going to be in contrast with each other. How do you get working together to get clearer answers so that at least you guys are rowing in the same direction? Yeah. That's the first step. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm just hang on one second because I really like this. Um, and, and I don't think people realize how often 
the, the people who are working for them are getting different messages and still trying to figure out what it is they're supposed to be doing to help the organization move forward. It, 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 if you ask these the questions, have people within the company, depending on the size of the company, have them just answer their questions, have someone ask the questions, and because you write it, people kind of just get that flow of consciousness and have that pulled together, and you'd be shocked. It, most companies, you know, you're going to, by default, not going to be on the same page. And if you can see, like, okay, here's where people think, wow, there's a gap, you know, what, what if we just brought it closer together, at least start having those conversations, it, it brings it closer together. Now, it also brings out the other thing we talked about earlier, that relationship with feedback. So yeah. People might not want to see that, that, you know, why does this company exist? And people have different opinions on that. And different, because it's never been defined, people have defined it their own way. Or what does this company really do? You know, that that's going to be feedback they might not want, but, you know, that's where you're starting from. And if you can't handle the the, the feedback that's not what you wanted, like, guys, I, you know, I thought I made it clear it was this, but people have gone in different directions. It's It's bringing the team and trying to find – what is that common bond? What is the what is the the answer to that question that's hasn't been answered in dealing with the feedback that you didn't want to hear? And if you don't want, I talk about in chapter two of my book. If you don't want to deal with the feedback, if uh, what I call emotional no-fly zones, certain things are off off limits to discuss, yeah. then nothing's going to work. Right. So you can save your time and money and <laughs> it, it just, it can be the greatest concept idea out and there's so many great business concepts out there. If you're not, they all assume you have a great relationship with feedback that um, if something doesn't work, you're going to be willing to adjust so you get the results you want. If you don't have that relationship with feedback, that's, that's okay, but just you're going to have, don't expect the, you can't buy your way out of it by yeah. you know, investing in a consultant or, or a concept. Yeah, I'm so glad that you just said that because, funny, I was going to ask you about this relationship with feedback because I agree. If you have to be able to really hear, solicit feedback, want to get the feedback and really listen to it because it feels to me like that's the way you get the best solutions from anybody or everybody because everyone is thinking because they know they're being listened to. It's, it's listened to and, and what, what does Google and Facebook do besides monitor us? <laughs> they, <laughs> they use data and, yeah. and, and what does that mean is that they're, they're looking what works, what doesn't work. And hey, lists work. People like lists of five things. They like these type of videos. They're constantly looking for what works. They're, they're not wrapped up in, well, that wasn't my idea or that's right. their idea. It's what works. And, it, yeah. and so they have a relationship with feedback. It's like, I'm just looking for what works. And, yeah. that, and, and, and they've done a, 
a great job on that and they you know, amazon they're all they're all monitoring us to see what works on us and the the rest of the the business world we tend to hey that's we don't like that or that's not my view of the world and so we don't don't necessarily embrace it as fast as technology they embrace what works yeah, that is interesting. You're right, they do. And and this whole data, we, we have a tendency to look at it negatively because we feel like they're pulling all this information about us. But when you think about it the way you were just talking about it, it's they're getting feedback so they can see what works and doesn't, so they can continue to offer the things that their customers want. Yeah, and they, and they, they only get paid if they can deliver what their customers want. They're trying Yeah. And what they're really selling is we we fear we're figuring out people. We're really figuring out what they like and don't like. And yeah. so that's pretty power. It's it's shown to be pretty powerful from a monetary standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So if if someone is listening and and they're feeling like they're not they don't even know where to start or what to do, how do they cultivate a healthy relationship with feedback? Like how do how do they develop that? taking an inventory and it's it's similar to uh, mindfulness training us it's, it's very popular now and just paying attention uh, and I, I always recommend pay attention keep a journal and pay attention to throughout the week or month when things don't go according to plan how do you react do you you know if you if you got a project's going to be late or over budget or there's a problem with the customer that, that could have been prevented and it's just things didn't go according to plan. Listen to your inner voice. How are you handling that? Are you saying, oh, are you trying to analyze for the root cause of it? Or are you starting to blame things? Oh, that's that person or it was just the weather or you get angry about it or you deny it's a problem. Kind of just try to avoid it. If it's a more emotional and statement-based, if you're writing down a lot of statements like a, that person is wrong versus a question, are you asking questions? Well, why, why, why did this happen? Why did we have this problem with this customer? If you're doing more question-based, you probably have a healthier relationship with feedback and there are objective questions. So that's the first step is trying to figure that out. And the next step, is once you've got kind of a sense of what it is, think about what people around you, how they would describe it. How would they describe your relationship with feedback? And if you think about that, because in, in, in get your ideas down and then go ask them. And you, you might, hope if you have the relationship, if you have a good relationship with feedback, they'll probably tell you, even if it's not, even if you don't have a, uh, but if you don't, they're probably not likely to tell you, and that's where it helps to have someone else ask. Uh, usually your spouse, usually your spouse is going to tell you if they really sense you really want to know, even if it's uh, not what they want to do. But that's where a third party to bring it out, because a lot of people, and it's, there's some neuroscience here as well, in terms of our amygdalas, our emotional part of our brain under constant stress it gets really empowered 
and the part of our brain the they call the executive brain the prefrontal cortex it loses some of its power it actually shrinks and its job is to control the emotional part of the brain and so business leaders tend to be under a lot of stress and so the emotional part of their brain is getting stronger and when things don't go according to plan the amygdala reacts and that's where you get what they call career limiting behaviors and, <laughs> and you know, sometimes it, like my wife and daughter know when i'm get to have some stress that i don't always respond well to things so they don't want to tell me certain things yeah and that's but i need to hear it and that that's an important part of it so we got the neuroscience of it and so when you if you say your amygdala is really strong, now all of a sudden you go, hey, I want to hear your feedback. People are kind of like, you know, most of the time you don't want to hear our feedback. So they're, they're going to be held back. <laughs> That's where it helps to have someone else come in and ask the questions and, and, um, and triangulate that relationship because that's the number one key. I've, I study business concepts and that's what I wrote about in my book, Transform Your Company and What's the Right Order but they all assume the leaders got this good relationship with feedback or that they can suddenly develop it while they're trying to transform their company, which is a big challenge. I'll and, bet. Uh, and and I, I see a lot of great, I've, I've talked with a lot of great consultants and a lot of business leaders, and there's been a lot of tough uh, situations that could have been avoided that, before they started up this mountain to transform a company, it's like, look, Bill's got a really bad relationship with feedback. You know, let's, let's deal with this now before we have everybody uh, going for stretch goals and trying to change the company that he doesn't want to hear that something's not working right or that something close to him that has been off limits that we need to examine, hey, maybe this person or this product, they're not working. If he doesn't want to deal with it, it's a lot easier to deal with it at the base of the mountain than on the side of the hill. Okay. I got a bunch of questions closing around my head. So I'm going to take a sponsor break and then Great. get into them. Okay. All right. Uh, Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Transform Your Company by our guest today, Alex Borobiev, and excuse me, uh, The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients by David A. Fields. So visit audibletrial.com slash business growth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we are speaking with Alex Vorobius about why we get stuck in business and how we can get unstuck. So Alex, you know, uh, you very clearly said, if someone can't develop a healthy relationship with feedback, they're not necessarily going to be able to get unstuck. Did I, did I hear that correctly? Correct. Yes. Okay. What, what do they do about 
ensuring that their company is successful, do they ha- do they step down? I mean, is there anything that can happen there? Sure. It's it's a matter of of one is the severity and is the person open to it. But it's it mind it gets again to the mindfulness training and it parallels it and there's there's probably it's similar parts of the brain where you don't want to use your amygdala and you want to use your prefrontal cortex more. But it's one they can work with a, a coach. Uh, oftentimes like a their vistage coach if they have a they're in a peer group it's one is just recognizing there's an issue if they they didn't realize they had a poor relationship with feedback for a lot of people it's like it's eye-opening and it's probably not been just in the business aspect of their life so sometimes that's just a catalyst in itself but two it's working with with a coach uh, either someone they're already working with or uh, that's Thing, something I do with clients as well is just helping them start to uh, pay attention to those situations and use them in a positive light in terms of, okay, this project is late and it's over budget. Why? And, and using that as a process to look for the root cause and develop a healthy relationship with feedback. It's not going to happen overnight, depending on the severity. But it, it can happen. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things being done where people who were stress balls, who had an overactive amygdala, thanks to mindfulness, meditation practice, and training, which is just training your brain. There's neurological science, and they, they can show you the brain scans of meditators and people who aren't meditating, and, and as well as people who start. Okay, what are the changes in, in the executive portion it's kind of ironic. They call it the executive portion of the brain. <laughs> it starts to get more active. There's more blood flow there. There's more, more activity. And you can develop that over time, it, but it, it does take time. And don't, don't expect it to happen overnight. And, and be prepared. Have a way that one of the most powerful things is, is getting your team to the point where they trust you enough that they can tell you, hey, you're, you're sliding back or you're not listening. We're trying to give you some objective feedback. We, uh, in my magazine, we, we interviewed um, uh, someone who implements EOS and she had implemented it in her business. And one of the persons she worked with, it was called the dictator. And, and, she was really frustrated. She didn't get any feedback from her team, but they developed the trust amongst the team that they could give her the feedback. And that changed everything for that company. And it, opened, it was the relationship with feedback. And they, one of it was teaching the team members what's the best way to communicate with the leader and vice versa, because they had different communication styles. So there's, there's different ways that, to unlock that. That is, that is so interesting. Um, and I think that's got to be one of the hardest things is to develop that trust so that people will be honest and tell you because people get used to a certain pattern of behavior and it, it, it's hard to turn that around. It's hard to turn it around and for the person 
the leader as well as people around it because a lot of times it comes down to, hey, do I want to risk my job? Am I willing to move and move my kids' high schools because I don't like the way the leader handles it when we're over budget? Yeah, it's really painful and I complain about it a lot, but no, I'm not going to make that risk. And their, yeah. their brains are telling them, hey, avoid the pain. Avoid the pain. That's the yeah. easiest way is avoid pain. So uh, it, it, it takes that until it's open and they feel safe enough to do that, that um, it's most likely going to stay the same. I mean, how many stories are there are companies that went from dysfunction to spontaneous alignment and like things worked? You, you generally only hear about, hey, things didn't work and they got worse or right. things were working and then all of a sudden we kind of slid slid out of it but you just never he, sometimes company gets lucky and oh hey we had this product that somebody wanted and we didn't even realize it and wham but those often they often can't do that over a long period of time where they get lucky you, you have to develop right. skills to keep evolving i think like intel is an example of that they were in the memory chip business originally weren't even in the business they're in. They had to keep evolving product types to keep up with an industry that was evolving very quickly. Yeah, and a lot of companies aren't able to do that and, and don't exist anymore. They don't. And that's yeah. sometimes it's comfortable, right? Well, we're getting this much revenue and we're growing still a little bit and they're really not at a risk of obsolescence. But yeah. in today's world, is anything really safe? No. I mean, somehow, some way, people are going to, the, there's, there's products out there that are competing uh, with what you offer. Absolutely. It is so much more competitive. Now, you mentioned a minute ago that um, e, the EO, um, I'm sorry, EOS system, and it feels like there's a lot of these systems out there, right? There's EOS, scaling up, great game, EMS, blah, blah, blah. Um, can you talk some about, you know, what they are and how they work and do they work for anybody or do different ones work for different personality types? Like, you know, what's sure, the story? Sure, sure. Well, I came across them, again, as I, as I clean up businesses and get their finances in order. I realized, geez, they just seemed like there was unanswered questions. And I came across the EOS um, concept and I had come across an independent providers ones years before and tried to use him, but he was retiring. So I came across EOS and it was really a series of questions from why does the company exist? What are its core values to what's its strategy? How does it differentiate itself? to what's expect to happen this, this quarter, this year, over the long term, what are its objectives, and who's responsible for what. So it's answering these series of questions. And so I was recommending it to clients years ago, to one of my clients asked me, is it the best system? And it hit me right between the eyes. I didn't even know what to call it. I mean, what, what, what is this 
thing. I mean, it's not really a planning system. It's it's much more dynamic, and it's it's not a management system because that's just going to bore everyone to death. And it, it doesn't really manage. It's it's also helping you envision the company, and so that started me on the process. That's what one of the things that started on the book was what what are these? What is it? And as I started researching, that's when I found scaling up, and I found great game of business. But there was no name for these. And when I went to business school, we didn't talk about these sort of systems. And so I read a lot of them and I kept hearing this term in my head, alignment. And sure enough, when I started searching it, uh, word searching, one of the great benefits of Kindle, you can word search. They, a lot of them use either alignment, same page, consistent, focus, or all sort of synonyms. And it's, it's really focus and alignment around answers to key questions. And that's, that's what scaling up does. That's what um, E-Myth does. Now, what the differentiation is, is E-Myth is more for a company earlier on in its startup, maybe not with much of a uh, developed leadership team. We're scaling ups on the other side where you have most likely a leadership team that's that's chomping at the bit that's looking to grow that wants some brain strain to figure the, the best tools so they can grow as fast as possible and then you have uh, eos which is a little more accessible and probably more of a transition in between e-myth and scaling up and scaling up has been focusing more on the more sophisticated middle market where EOS has been on both the, the small and the mid-sized market. Oh, that's so great. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and that's what, that's what chapter three in my book uh, defines. I call it the missing business school subject and what these systems are and, in their commonalities and that you know breaking them down just to they're great i love them it's just for for the right business they all the big assumption is they all assume the leader's got a great relationship with feedback because you do scaling up or eos you're going to set your five-year target your one-year target and your in your quarterly objectives inevitably you're not going to achieve them all especially if you're pushing yourself or the company. So what are you going to change? They all assume you're willing to, okay, do we need to change uh, the, how we're selling it or who's selling it or what we're selling. And that's when you start, that's when you start touch getting into the no emotional no fly zones that, Hey, we're not going to start changing people or roles, or we're not going to start changing what we're offering customers or we're not offering them. A lot of times companies are offering too many things. Right, right, that's right. Well, they're afraid that if they don't, they'll miss out on a piece of business. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a common thing for an entrepreneur is <clears throat> someone wants this. And yeah. some of the great business concepts, hey, originally a, a customer asked for it, but there's also, okay, if we say yes to this, what are we saying no to? Or yeah. what do we, what do we, is if this is really a great opportunity, should we focus more on it? And maybe less on something else. And, and those are those core questions that typically aren't asked and answered, but that's what a core alignment tool can help you do. 
Okay, so what's the difference between a core alignment tool and a bolt-on tool? Sure. Core alignment was those things we talked about earlier, EOS, scaling up, great game of business, E-Myth. Bolt-on tools are, for the most part, what, what your audience hears about all the time. Hey, how to improve your sales techniques, how to do marketing on Facebook, how to hire people, how to compensate them, uh, what's your strategy, um, how are you going to, what, what key things are you trying to do and differentiate your product or your company or what's your branding strategy? These, all these little individual things I call bolt-on tools because they work with your core alignment tool, but they're just very specific. And a lot of times with EOS and traction and scaling up, they utilize these bolt-on tools. And, and because they don't, they can't ask or ask every question because that's what these tools are, the bolt-on tools, they're just asking really detailed questions about specific things such as a company strategy and helping you define that. I see. Okay, okay, I get, I get that, that makes sense. Okay. And, that, and that's where people, they're bombarded with these things and they might not yeah. have compensation plans and they might not have really defined why the company exists and they don't really have it clearly defined. What's the, what things does a frontline employee do? And so they're choosing between three things, but they'll often choose what's closest to the customer instead of what's farthest, which would be, hey, why does this company exist? But it's a lot easier to answer questions like what's our strategy or what people are trying to hire when we're really clear on what, why does this company exist and what's its, what kind of culture do we want? Those decisions are a lot easier when you answer those core questions first. Yeah, boy, I totally get that. And it's so funny. You're talking about that and I'm thinking about organizations that I have known where the program of work, you know, the, the things that they were doing weren't tethered to anything. So if you said, okay, why are you doing that? You know, what, what, what is that? What big goal is that helping you achieve? They couldn't answer it because yeah. they were just doing things. They didn't have that grand vision of this is why we exist. This is who we are. This is the value that we're bringing, the difference we're making, whatever it is, and then made decisions based on that. A lot of companies like do it backwards. They do. It's it's no it's not required to to do it the other to do it from the inside out. There's a natural tendency to pull us towards the outside and come from the outside and really stay on the outside that I call it the perimeter of the business because that's where the pain is. And we, yeah. we want the pain to stop. So, okay, let's, let's go there and focus our energy on that. And that's where, you know, it can actually make it worse. Right. Right. Yeah. It feels to me like then we're focusing on a symptom, not the disease. And that's exactly it i mean that's why i got out of just doing the finance cleanup work because it's all symptoms yeah you know, and, yeah and in in the medical in the healthcare world they know that they just treat symptoms and that's part of the problem right exactly 
you know, nobody really wants to hear, hey, you want the pain to go away and to feel better, you got to change the way you eat and live. Now, those are hard things to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, can't you just give me something or can I go somewhere and then I'll just feel better? Like, no, you, you got to make, you got to, you got to answer what's important to you and, and, and change habits that right. over time will manifest themselves. It's not going to be overnight. Yeah. You have to be willing to do the work and have a, a healthy relationship with feedback, right? You have to be able yeah. to hear it. Yeah. yeah. People don't like getting on the scale. It's like, right. it's, it's just a number. You know, it's, it's, you can say, well, it's this time of day or that or whatever. It's just a number. And um, that's, you can't, you, people fight the scale, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's just our brain. Yeah. But it's a data point. That, that it, it, yeah. It's a data point. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. This is so great. So would you, I, I first have to say how much I appreciate you coming on and sharing this information. It is wonderful. And it just really highlights um, the valuable information that is in your book, Transform Your Company. So will you tell the listeners how they can get the book, how they can find out about your podcast, you know, everything sure. you want to tell them? Absolutely. Well, the book's available on audible.com, my favorite form of uh of digesting books. So I know it's a sponsor of the show. So check it out on audible.com as well as Amazon. And then I wrote a mag, I did a magazine uh, to bring the concepts in the book to life. The book is a framework for what we've talked about today and, and, and bringing some order to the universe of business improvement ideas. The magazine and podcast, I talk to business leaders who are trying these business concepts and find out, hey, is it working or not? So that other business leaders can confidently decide, hey, should I try this concept and am I gonna get an ROI? And so that's available at confidentroi.com. You can sign up for the magazine and also uh, link to the podcast and as well as at alexverobief.com, spelled just like it sounds, uh, you can find my podcast as well. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't say thank you enough. Everyone, you should really go out and get the book because it will give you valuable information you can tell from this conversation. We all need to be able to take a clear, honest look at how we're doing, what's going on, and embrace feedback so that we can be doing better things. We're just, you know, you, you got to do it. So. It, it really helps in, in all aspects of your life. And I share a story in the book about how I had a poor relationship with feedback and, and someone confronted me with it. And it was, it was a, a key event in my life. And I can say life's a lot better with a good relationship with feedback. Absolutely. That's so great. And, and it's funny because when we, as we were talking, I was thinking, boy, you could use this in any area of your life, not just your business. And you know, you can, well, it's, Anybody it's, yeah, it's them. funny. I've gotten a lot of um, from people who are involved in nonprofits, and I think it it almost mm. applies even more because if you're not there for the financial compensation, um, you're there for the emotional compensation. And if you're just in a dysfunctional organization, yeah. you're not getting paid. Like, why are you there? Yeah, 
And I, I think it applies to families as well. You know, a lot of times it's just people just assume the everyone in the family has the same answers to important questions and they're different generations. You know, they got different takes on things. Yeah. And so that, and you know, the last yeah. thing is I think uh, one of the, in a future book, I'm going to write how it applies to society. Ooh, wow. That's daring of you. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think I think this out there we can liberate ourselves from kind of these dysfunctional worlds we we live in, and it really comes down to questions and and yeah. working with people who who have common answers. Yeah, and not yeah. everyone's got the same answers to things. Exactly, right. And you and you have to not only be willing but really interested in hearing their answers instead of just assuming that you know what they are. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Wow. Great. Well, let me know when you write that one. Uh, well. I'd like to read that one as well. Wonderful. And thank you listeners. Um, I am confident that uh, you got an awful lot out of this because I did. So I'm pretty sure you did too. And I'd like to thank our sponsor. Remember, uh, you can get a free trial and a free audiobook from audible.com by visiting audibletrial.com slash business growth. Continue to prosper and be curious and be willing to receive feedback. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.